Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I need the uh, Judith Martins out there to uh, provide some advice and counsel. You know, Miss Manners. Oh, that's I right. I need uh, some Miss Manners etiquette advice. Uh, the first topic is um, our... Uh, uh, outstanding technical producer Justin Kosick. Yeah, he turned twelve yesterday. Uh, no, I think he turned twenty-six, right? Yeah, twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Oh, <laughs> so now he's really off his parents' insurance. <laughs> yeah, I know they, they grow up so fast. They do. Um, he's so he's twenty-seven years old, and he took, he took the day off for his birthday. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey pro answer line six four six three six. Type in da then a quick comment. This is. Um, what? This is, uh, this is a dedication to you, Justin, from the great, the late great, Greg Geraldo. When did we become such a, uh, a nation of such, such self-important, narcissistic douchebags that, you know, when it's your birthday now, you just think you can go to any restaurant and make the waiters sing happy birthday to you? When did that trend start? That's the most irritating that used to be for children at Chuck E. Cheese. Now you can go to any restaurant. It's my birthday. Dance around or something. <laughs> Give us a little song, would you? Give us a little song. Go get me a piece of cake. It's my birthday. <laughs> you go to restaurants now, they got to break out in song every five minutes. I was at a restaurant the other day. The waiters had to go out four separate times to different tables and sing happy birthday. And holy <laughs> the owner comes out. And even the dishwasher's out there singing. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. It's my birthday too, but no one's singing happy birthday to me because I'm in the back washing dishes for 50 cents an hour, but somehow I'm the bad guy for taking away American jobs. What f***ing job am I taking away? Who, who wants to wash a f***ing dish for 50 cents an hour? Okay, yes, arguably all of us coming over like this collectively lowers the labor rates in the country. We could debate it on those merits, but no, you're taking my job, you're taking my job, you're taking my job. What kind of fucking ignorant bullshit is that? You have to ask yourself, are you willing to pay the increased cost of paying a prevailing wage for some fucking slob to stand back there washing dishes? If it's such a fucking problem, why don't you just penalize the employers who hire us? Oh, because that will be politically unpopular. How old are you now? <laughs> So I would think that in the sort of in the same vein, making um, you know Pepe the dishwasher singing "Happy Birthday," taking yeah. your taking a day off because it's your birthday. All right. Well, what did you do on your birthday, Justin? By the way, did you wish him happy birthday? Uh, ha, ha, oh. Yeah, happy All birthday. Right. <laughs> How old are you now? <laughs> so what did uh, you do? Well, in my defense, it was one of those Salem you got to take it off days. Oh. Use it or lose it. No. Oh. So so you benched. Don't buy you, that. You, you bent to the man. It's all. It's all corporate. Why? So yeah, you use it or lose it. So why? Why didn't you take uh, Monday off? 
Why didn't you, I, yeah, why why didn't you take today off? Why did it have to be your birthday? <laughs> you should have had a three-day weekend. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they were explaining to me how to game the system now, and now I know. They oh. were explaining. Oh, really? They who's, back here with me. We have subversives in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, he is. He's more of a man than I am. I mean, more of a grown-up than I am because I mean, he's getting married. Right. So he's more of a grown-up than I am. But still, so I'll give him that. But the the birthday thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know. You know, blaming it on the corporate weenies. Well, I don't did know. Did you if sleep that in? Did you get, go to a spa treatment? Did you spa treatment? Did you yeah. go to a bathhouse? Day of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what'd you do? I mostly just went out for food, and they do not sing happy birthday to you anymore. It must be a labor shortage issue. Oh, that's right, because of COVID. Depends where you go. Where'd you go to, where'd you go to eat? We went to Cooper's Hawk and Seasons 52. Cooper's Hawk for lunch oh. and Seasons 52 for dinner. Oh, you made a whole day of oh, it. Wow. No, yeah. uh, no singing, which is nice. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> uh, all right, I have a second adequate question. Um, speaking of corporate weenies, our uh, Christmas party is today. Yes, and... I'm sure Justin will be there bending to the will of the man. No, and everybody's got to bring a grab bag. Not everybody. <clears throat> yeah, uh, so it has to be $25 or less. And then oh. it's it's a great game because then you could steal. If somebody opens something you want, then instead of opening your gift, you take what they want. It's a real, it's a juggernaut. Boy, I mean, man, that is, <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm going to miss it. No, you have to go. Oh, that's go. wonderful, too. You, I see what you've, you've got a little ornament on yours. Very, this is this does nice. this become like a like a Fraser Niles escalation where somebody goes a little bit above twenty five and then the next person right. goes a little bit above fifty. Uh okay. yeah. This is this is more than twenty five. What Shh, well, can't sh- color inside the lines. What uh so what, what is it? I'm not telling you what that is. What do you mean? Because it's a surprise. That'll ruin it for everybody that's going to the party. Which you're in town and you should go to the party. Did you make that sweater yourself? <laughs> Are you bedazzling uh, as a <laughs> hobby? Is it is it giving you a headache? This is what you're wearing. This is why you're wearing this but yeah, because of the, the Christmas party. party. Yeah, it's oh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not going to the Christmas why? party. I, I've got you know obligations. You're so in I'm town, sorry though. To miss you're it. here. You should. Yeah. go. our I'm, boss wants you to go, and our new boss is going to be there. Yeah, right. It could look awfully good on a young man's record. No, yeah. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not attending, despite. Now really feeling like I'm left out and missing the grab bag. The grab deal. bag is the best. Uh, Mike Scott, are you going to come? I actually do have an official, just like Dan, an official obligation today, and I, I cannot attend. Some of us work right through the yeah. holidays. What about, Justin, yeah. you're coming, right? Oh, no. Why? Yeah, he's, just, he's still recovering from his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I took my birthday off, but then again, I'm 59. So once you reach that age... Yeah. Taking your birthday off becomes uh, less of an obligation or bowing to the man. It's more of a, hey, I deserve it. I've worked 38 years in this business. I'm going to take my birthday off, yeah. and if especially if it coordinates with a long weekend. And then what yeah. do you do? Which mine did. And then you just, like, sleep all day. At, oh, my at gosh, age. yes. Yeah, that's all you do, right? For there's heaven's no, no celebration. No, that's and all I, you want. Ice cream we went, party. We went to Putt Shack, which was kind of nice, but, you know. Yeah. When was your birthday? Sorry. When was my birthday? Okay. Right. Okay. First turn her mic off. First turn of it all, off. That's, that's also something people. December 12th. So, oh, see? December 12th. Recently. Yeah. That's also something that um, adult males don't care about. Oh. Oh, oh, you missed my birthday. You didn't say happy birthday right. to me. Um, well, you oh. missed my birthday. Who cares? Cares. Yeah. Quinn's going. Quinn, are you coming today? Anybody? Quinn? 
It's just going to be it's going to be you and the brass. <laughs> Quinn says he's not staying for the grab bag. Why? Mm. Just for the free food? Oh, because he didn't buy one. What if uh, What if I told you that I Why think Amy's present is the uh, never nude or nearly nude pajamas? <laughs> what did, wait, what did you think that they are? The never the nearly nude never nude p- pajamas. Pajamas. Right. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? What, what do you mean? What I mean? Bad. It's a my pillow slippers. Maybe it's balance of nature. Well, well, you can't guess it right on the first one. No, see, uh, you know, I'm uh, sorry, you can't be original with your gift. Yeah, come on now. She just takes whatever she gets free the, from the corporate sponsors. Right, the Ace Hardware is right down the freaking road. Yeah. Come on now. Although Quinn, people Quinn. need salt and shovels today. People need hand warmers, and you're come on. Quinn might stay now for the grab bag though, because she does something nice gift. to the little lady. Really nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. By the way, this snowstorm, we canceled Friday, Christmas for no reason. Friday, Christmas? Christmas is on Sunday. I know, but we are going to have our Christmas early on Friday, and we canceled it. Now it's going to be eight, six inches of snow. When is that coming? Well, they told us it was going to be 16 inches with no. a bomb cyclone. Nine they scared nine, everybody. Nine, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Nine to 12 inches, but that's not why you need to cancel things. It's the 60-mile-an-hour winds and the blowing snow that are going to create blizzard conditions. Yeah, that's oh. not good. Yeah, nine. that's not good. You want to be on the road with that jalopy going to St. Louis or wherever the hell? <laughs> a hobo ride. So. Um, and uh, so what was this? You sent, you sent me this email. Uh, should I what? come to the Christmas party? No. And if if I do, what gift should I bring for the gift exchange? Well, I'm not yeah. coming. But if you so, were, what would your gift be? Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey Depper. You're throwing that talk topic away in the garden. I just gave. I just <laughs> presented it. I I can remember it from here. Yeah. Uh, so, what would my gift be if I came to the Christmas right. party and participated in the grab bag? Need, need, I'm, need, I'm not doing any of those things. But what should it be? Is what you're right. asking. What should it be? What would you like? 120 life. 120 life. I can do the same thing. I just do whatever I get free. Yeah. Pass that oh, along. It's right there. Yeah. Can... Yeah. Box of, right. Box of 120. And I'll leave it in the 120 life box, too, to take the surprise element. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably, like, you know. 20 bucks, throw it in a box. Butterfly knife. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Ammo. Something like that. Yeah, Something nice. Christmassy. Hey, that's not a bad idea. Exactly. There's yeah, a there's a new indoor place that does does indoor um, indoor shoots. Article two. Uh, I I just drove past it. It's south of Joliet. Big indoor facility. Oh, range three fifty five. Maybe I'm not sure. They uh, but they do facility. they do indoor skeet and things like that. It's a huge place, really? and that would be a good gift. I went skeet shooting two weeks ago. At indoor Oak Park skeet. Country yeah, Club. really. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no doubt. Do it's, they have do they have a uh, um, sporting clay like course in there too? I think they have a, a or like course. five stand. Yeah, something like that. Yep. Oh wow. Oh, and maybe I'll give that as a gift to myself. All right. That's what I would do. I would put a gift that I want in the grab oh, bag and take and it then, for myself, and then leave early like Quinn. Basically, this is Chicago's morning answer. On AM560. Where's the Tylenol? The answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. 
I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Signature Bank. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. This uh, $1.7, 1900000000000 trillion omnibus spending bill that uh, Senate Republicans are helping the Dem Socialists move through Congress before the year is out is really an affront. And it's also... While it's nothing new, it's a reminder about these Senate Republicans, these big government spendocrats in the Republican Party, who, you know, never Trumpers or the left will put on a pedestal, oh, uh, the Mitt Romneys and the Susan Collinses and the Lisa Murkowskis and these cowardly lame ducks like Rob Portman and Richard Shelby. I mean, they're just awful. You want to talk about enemy inside the perimeter. And then again, from the establishment, tell me again about how we need to focus on the fiscal issues to the exclusion of all else. Tell me again about we make our bones by being the party of fiscal discipline and you know, less government, lower taxes. It's a scam. And the reason Republicans have lost in races they shouldn't have lost the reason Republicans have been eliminated, all but eliminated, in states like Illinois is because voters a long time ago woke up to the scam, particularly Republicans. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also reach us all morning long at our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. 4,000 pages dropped on Monday, and they're whipping it for to vote tomorrow. Do you think anybody really read that? I mean, it's nice that uh, Zelensky's coming to town to get his $45 billion check. If you can get $45 billion, at least show up to get the check. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. First time leaving the country for him. $1.2 million for LGBTQIA pride centers. $1.2 million for cert. I mean, again, these are, it's not the amount in the context because it's minuscule. It's the, the point is, should you, one, one red cent be spent? Oh, it's not that much. What what, what kind of know. what kind of attitude is that? We shouldn't be doing it, but since it's not that much, it's okay. That's the attitude that perpetuates all this. One point two million for uh, for services for DACA recipients at San Diego Community College. What? Four hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars for uh, an, the Equity Institute in Rhode Island oh. to uh, provide teachers with quote anti-racism virtual labs. What, what does that even mean? $1.1 million for Zora's house in Ohio, a co-working and community space for women and gender expansive people of color. This is Heritage Foundation detailing this. $3 million for the American LGBTQ Museum in New York City. 
$3.6 million for Michelle Obama Trail in Georgia. The Michelle Oh, I'm going to get lost on that trail. Yeah. Where's Amy? Maybe she's on the Michelle Obama Trail. Valerie, what does that even mean? Valerie Jarrett will be the guide. <laughs> $750,000 for the LGBT and gender nonconforming house in Albany. $2 million for the Great Blacks in Wax Museum in Baltimore. Oh, so like the Trudeau Wax Museum, but okay. Uh, The Trudeau? The, I'm sorry. The Madame Toussaint. Madame Toussaint. Yeah, Justin Trudeau. Maybe he, he's probably getting money for a wax museum, too, in Toronto. <laughs> I don't know. Why not? I'm so little under the $750,000 for the Trans-Latin Coalition to provide workforce development programs and supportive services for transgender and gender nonconforming and intersex immigrant women in L.A. You said that all in one breath. Ten Senate Republicans are making this happen. Ten Senate Republicans. Mitt Romney, oh, you already named and, and And also, too, I mean, you know, Bill Byrd, I mean, excuse me, Bob Bird, Robert Bird. Uh, I mean, you know, he's got nothing on Richard Shelby out of Alabama. Republican. Almost everything in Alabama is already named after him, but this bill designates the facilities at the FBI at Redstone Arsenal to be known as the Richard Shelby Center for Innovation and Advanced Training. Isn't it wonderful when politicians spend your money to name crap after them? Let's never forget Richard Shelby. I can't. Anytime I'm in Alabama, everywhere I turn around, his name's staring me in the face. Uh huh. But now yeah. there's going to be more named after him. Uh huh. I mean, it's just it's 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 not incredible because it's not unexpected. But there's there are things to take away from this and people to hold accountable. Uh, what, what did I say too? Oh, the U.S. Department of Mascara. Uh, the Modernization of Cosmetics Regulation Act, that's part of this, uh, will give uh, more power to the federal government to uh, regulate uh, people who have lotions and lip gloss. They'll have to register their facilities, report adverse events, abide by stipulated manufacturing practices. All this is, I mean, and this bill is full of it. All this is is one operator in an industry or a group of operators in an industry rent-seeking. Trying to get into trying to get get the government to negatively impact their their competitors, and that's what's happening here. Just to give you an example, it sounds silly, but there's a point to it. As the Wall Street Journal opined, um, for years, companies hawking clean quote unquote beauty products have lobbied Congress for regulations that hamstring the competition. These quote unquote natural brands are free to use their pre- preferred ingredients. But their goal is to ban compounds they dislike, even if the underlying science is questionable, and even though not all Americans can afford to spend $60 on nighttime moisturizer. Yeah. The the, the luxury brands want to knock out the generic brands, and they're using the government to do it. And that's not just in the uh, makeup industry. That's in all these industries, but that's a good example of what happens here. I mean... uh, what bills do you want passed? What bills do I want passed? What do you mean? <laughs> they they threw everything in there. Oh, what money do yeah, I want? Yeah, what money do you want spent? It's your tax dollars. Marvin, Burlington, Wisconsin. Well, this is exactly why I quit giving money to the Republican Party many years ago. 
uh, it's turned the national parties turned into what Illinois was. I mean, you think about Rauner turning his back on the right to life people and, and, uh, the, the same thing's going on here. We elect them, we fight hard to get them elected and then they turn their back on us. Don't they understand what we're going through out here with inflation and they spend money on people who aren't even citizens. I mean, it's outrageous. And, and this nonsense, we can't, Kids can't read and write, but, oh, we got to have the money for the LGBTQ plus 15, whatever it is this week. I mean, I, I just don't understand um, uh, their thinking. And, you know, they, they want to take away our rights. They want to take away our rights for, for, for guns because they know that sooner or later push is going to shove and people like me are going to have enough. And, um, and, and there is going to be militias out here that are active, more active than they've ever been before. I mean, I, 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 it's the same thing with the abortion issue. My tax money's going for abortion. How's God going to look at me when, I, when he says, did you do enough to save the unborn, sir, when I had to stand in front of him? I mean, they're using my money for things that I, I have nothing to, nothing to do with me or my interests. And it, it goes on and on and on. And no one says a damn thing about it. Wait till the last minute. Get it passed. It's Christmas time. No one's going to be thinking about this. Uh, in two years, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous, and they wonder why no one's showing up to the polls. Thanks, they for, want- the, thanks for the call, Marvin. I mean, uh, there's a hundred billion dollar corporate tax hike in this bill. A hundred billion. There's also an IRA tax hike coming down the road. Uh, the um, uh, Larry Kudlow, um, you know, hardly a uh, proud boy, hardly a, a, a you know a wild-eyed conservative rabble rouser. I, I thought Republicans were against tax increases. Yeah. Um, I thought the Republican Party was against tax hikes. I thought the GOP criticized Joe Biden during the midterm election over tax hikes. Um, so he asked, why are Republican senators even thinking about a bill that has a $100 billion tax hike in it? What I see is a bunch of Republican senators voting to tax and spend, which I thought was the problem with the other party, which is called the Democratic Party. So there seems to be some political confusion here. Oh, there's political confusion. Well, there's not there's not that much confusion, but there is um, lack of definition, lack of distinction, lack of separation. Those things are certainly at play. Those ten Republican senators, uh, who, by the way, of course, Mitch McConnell, you know, will dutifully go to bat for, and so will the you know entire sort of Beltway establishment. Uh, next time, those who are up are up against any upstart conservative challenger, taking them to task on on allegedly bread-and-butter issues for the GOP, like taxing and spending. Right. And, and, and again, the backdrop of this is, why would you deleverage? Who deleverages in politics? The deleveraging here is you have Republicans taking control of the House come January. And that is a more conservative caucus. And so, ostensibly, they could wrestle a better deal from Democrats who control the Senate and the White House. Or, or f- finally play a, a bit of a game of brinkmanship and call the bluff on th- all of this taxing and spending against the backdrop of the inflationary, ta- uh, the inflationary spending, money printing and spending over the last three years. Uh, they just don't want to. These are the kinds of Republicans that don't want to make arguments. 
They want to surrender on this so they can prepare to surrender on the next thing. We see this over and over again. Illinois is the base camp for that approach to governance. And what does it get you? A super minority of Republicans, as you see in Illinois House and the Senate, and as you've seen for a while now, and the worst governed state in American history. That's what it gets you. There's a good piece uh, by an uh, economist for the Rand Corp. Oh, inflation, inflation, inflation. And what do we say about this? How do we message this? Republicans, can you make an argument? This is the number one issue. Pounding Biden and Democrats on the highest inflation in 40 years. Right. Well, as he points out, far more American, this uh, economist from Rand Corp, uh, George Zhu, for more American households, far more American households earn a middle class income than enjoy a middle class lifestyle. For middle class households, the percentage of after tax income spent on necessities has jumped from 60 to 65 percent. Working class households already needed 108% of their monthly income to cover the basics in 2021. It was 118% of their income to cover the basics in 2022. They're either dipping into savings, getting help from relatives, or safety net programs, or going into debt. Yeah, or driving up their credit cards. So um, what are we all going to do? Are we all going to wait till uh, every other state joins uh, Massachusetts and... New Jersey, I forget the third, that where you can uh, earn, we earn, you can receive uh, north of $100,000 in total benefits from the state, total welfare benefits. Never have to work another day in your life. Yeah, just all become wards of the state. And look, and look at what Rand Paul did. How long would it take the clerk to read this? This is the stack of the, I mean, no, no, come on. Mike in Plano. Hey, guys, you know, uh, one thing I get tired of with these rhinos is the stupid okey-doke tricks they pull. You know, like with the infrastructure bill last year, uh, oh, well, we passed this $2 trillion bill because uh, the Democrats want to pass a $4 trillion bill. We wanted to stymie them. Yeah, right. Or the fear-mongering. Yeah, with, uh, oh, if we don't elect Kevin McCarthy as speaker, it's going to be chaos. We might see a Democrat get elected speaker. And then another thing they do is um, – they try to sell little blue pits over the infielder's head as grand slams, like Kevin McCarthy. Every time I see him on TV, hey, we got the uh, vaccine mandate for the troops lifted. Well, that's great. I support that, but that's it. I mean, you could get a lot more taken out of that stupid defense bill if you tried hard enough. And one not, thing not, I'm not with these ten, not, not no, with these not, not with these Republicans in the Senate. You can't. But anyway, go ahead. Well, no, yeah, obviously, but. Uh, one thing, I'm glad Chip Roy led a revolt, but uh, I'm disappointed it's only 13 uh, House Republicans that joined them. And um, as far as the speaker race, though, I kind of want to hear your opinions of this, Dan, because I'm not a McCarthy guy, but I don't see anyone substantial to challenge him, not even Jim Jordan. I wish Jim Jordan would get off the Fox News smack talk and try to uh, fight for position leadership where he can actually do something. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's where I'm at. Thanks for the call, Mike. I mean, there's no serious challenge to McCarthy. I mean, Andy Biggs isn't going to cut it. And so uh, as as the concerns I have about McCarthy notwithstanding, I don't see him as some sort of intellectual leader um, or even wartime consigliere. But he was the the minority leader, presided over the takeover of the House. There is not a compelling uh, option. And so, yeah, yeah, McCarthy. And then... Uh, you know, you got to hope that the House Freedom Caucus uh, continues to inst- institute some caucus discipline. 
the kind of caucus discipline we don't have in the Senate, um, it's more difficult to institute caucus discipline there, I understand. Um, but, um, yeah, th- there should be uh, more senators really holding these 10 out for public ridicule, if not a straight-up public flogging. Roger Southside, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Great show, as always. Uh, how long do you think we have here in Illinois, our country, okay, with with these, as you said, these senators that are uh, these Republican Senate people and, the, and the, the whole agenda of Congress until we have full-on Russia, full-on third world. And here's the thing, Dan. If we have, I always say it, it comes down to capable people. Who's willing to do something? Okay. Right now, okay, anybody who's in the spotlight or anybody who has anything to lose is not going to do anything. Okay. But how long before, you know what, they're at the walls of the country clubs and the private schools and the private universities? Because that's what it's going to take. Like you keep, you, you say it weekly, you know what, we haven't lost enough. Okay. The middle class is holding on or, you know, keeping their heads above water. How long before the, you know, that, that really sick category group of those middle class political idiots who want to be in that top class of elitist morons, especially here in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, how long before their daughters and sons are affected? Before, you know, the overdoses start. Before migrants in Lincoln Park or downtown or the Gold Coast are harming their children or their wives, or you know what? The next time there's a there's a big function at a uh, one of these fancy country clubs, you know, you know Oak Brook River Forest, you know, call anyone anyone you want, Hinsdale, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get before it. there's five thousand migrants there, and you know what? There's nothing that can be done about it. If if something isn't done fast and real fast, and you know what? Signing petitions online on social media is getting going to get nothing. I mean, the, the state of Texas is, is pretty much deputizing anybody that can carry a weapon right now. I hear you. Thanks for the call, Roger. Uh, Craig Mont Greenwood. Oh, hey, good morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, I've been telling my uh, friends and family and all that Democrat, Republican, uh, my uh, voting strategy, and I think I'm vindicated. I tell them. I don't care who's it, whoever it is, whoever's in there, don't let them make a career out of it. Vote them the hell out of there, and don't let them make a career out of it. These people get all cozy. They're all in with each other, and then they put on their charade and their little act, dog and pony show, like they're fighting with each other. They're sitting every night at the bar having drinks together, laughing their butts off. Man, that was a good one we pulled off today. Yeah, I, 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 I showed them how, I, you know, how we're fighting. They ain't fighting with each other about nothing. They're all in cahoots. They're rotten uh, politicians, everything, filling their pockets with our money and everything else. And that is a rotten thing. It's a rotten situation we got with politicians. That's all I got to say about it. Thanks, Craig. Well, you know, again, Richard Shelby, I don't know, like there, we pulled one over. I think they believe their own um, press and they, their own, they have this level of self-importance and they're statesmen and they're part of the vanguard class protecting our democracy and I'm owed this and I've earned this. 
Richard Shelby, again, I'm talking about a Republican, Senate Banking Committee chairman, formerly. $656 million in earmarks just for that guy as a golden parachute on your dime as he, you know, rides off into the sunset in Alabama. It's just despicable. There's just no other way to say it. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. You stink. I think you're going to have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. An AM560. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We uh, talked a bit about... uh, Twitter files installment number seven yesterday. This uh, provided by Michael Schellenberger via Elon Musk, of course. And it focused on the FBI and Hunter Biden's laptop. And there were some new details that are important here. Jim Comer was on with Maria Bartiroma talking about it. Jim Comer is going to be the point man. House Oversight Committee when Republicans take control, and he is the one that really led that press conference from a few weeks back with Jim Jordan talking about their intention to pursue this Biden Inc. investigation, which is not an investigation about focused on Hunter Biden. It's an investigation focused on Joe Biden, and Hunter Biden obviously is a key player in that investigation, yeah. uh, talking about uh, – Things that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about that they Republicans in the House haven't been able to obtain, like these reports from banks of suspicious activity. Some 50 odd, only a few have been obtained by House Republicans that relate to Hunter Biden's financial transactions, his business dealings. Well, um, and maybe and, kickbacks to his father. Well, that's part, part of, of the of discussion. It? And uh, so Jim Comer on this latest dump from Twitter and how it relates to not just Biden, Inc., but now the FBI. I'm the kind of investigation that needs to be done at FBI. As we heard from the uh, incoming head of the, uh, uh, the House Intel Committee yesterday, looking for specific individuals 
not the FBI, but specific individuals within the FBI to hold to account. And also, frankly, to understand how many individuals and in what roles are involved and what should be done about the FBI. We've had the conversation here. Most on the Hill are reluctant to have it, but whether the FBI should continue to exist in its current form. Um, And by the way, flying off of our discussion at the end of last hour about this uh, omnibus bill put forward by spendocrats and being facilitated by Senate Republicans. Wait till you hear what the FBI gets in this bill. But first, uh, Jim Comer on the Twitter files. Well, it means a lot. Uh, More evidence of wrongdoing. You know, in the beginning, I thought that there were probably two or three rogue employees who were orchestrating this cover-up of the Hunter Biden laptop story. But now we know the FBI had a division of at least 80 agents. We also know that the FBI paid Twitter over $3 million for their time, all the time they took over the past couple of years in telling them who to suppress, uh, who to ban. You know, it's just things that the government has no role in. The FBI was never granted the authority to create any type of disinformation task force that uh, policed the social media sites. Now, this we know with Twitter. We've heard similar stories from Zuckerberg. Who knows what went on at YouTube and Google? This is an agency that's out of control. And the most frustrating thing for me right now, Maria, is the fact that in this omnibus bill, there's increased funding for the FBI plus a $1.75 billion headquarters facility for the FBI. We need to halt everything with the FBI, all funding, until they come forward and explain to Congress exactly what they were doing, why they were doing it, and who gave them the authority to do it. You know, one way we could get the FBI in front of the committee really quickly is say, we're not giving you a penny until you all come down here and explain to us what this task force was, why you told Twitter to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story when you knew darn well it was true. And the, the Senate is, is counter to everything that we're trying to do in the House from an oversight standpoint right now, especially with respect to the FBI. Such an important point. I mean, the purse strings of the FBI, you want to get their attention, say no funding. You're not, I mean, you know, at this point, at, even just no incremental funding that they've, I'm sure they've already uh, budgeted for and are busily preparing to spend. Nope. That is on the shelf until you explain yourself in the face of these documents released by Twitter. Um, And paying Twitter employees for their time, did you catch that? $3.5 million for Twitter employees to spend some time with the FBI doing their bidding? According to the last Twitter dump, the FBI was spending so much time with Twitter executives uh, every two weeks having meetings that lasted uh, for hours, telling them what stories to suppress, what looked like disinformation, who to ban from Twitter. I mean, things that the FBI has no business doing. They reimbursed them for their time, over $3 million over a two-year period. That's just Twitter. We don't know how much they paid Facebook, Google, YouTube, or the other social media platforms. 80 employees, that's roughly uh, $12 million in salary and benefits dedicated to policing Social media sites? Are you kidding me? At a time when crime is out of control, human trafficking is out of control, uh, we have a crisis of, of uh, fentanyl. We have a crisis of, of shoplifting. 
the, the crime rate in these cities is higher than it's been in my adult lifetime. And the FBI's focus on policing social media sites. So the FBI paid Twitter $3 million. So would you characterize this payment as an incentive or as a bribe? It's not, well, it's well reimbursing them for their for time. time. You heard them. So Twitter employees are taking time away from their day-to-day work to do the bidding of the FBI effectively with respect to their threats to democracy, protect the integrity of our elections, Russian collusion, silliness, and so they compensate them for their time. But, I mean, it speaks to just the larger collusive relationship between the FBI and Twitter at minimum. And I thought President Trump yesterday did a really good job, a thoughtful interview. He wasn't erratic. He was very mature in his response to learning this news. Well, I, well, I characterize it as terrible. Yeah, $3.7 million or something like that, and uh, possibly a lot more because that's only what they have right now. Uh, no, it's terrible. I, I'm just telling you the country can't believe what they're seeing. And Elon Musk did a big service when he released all of this stuff because our country is corrupt. Our elections are corrupt. We have a very sad and sick country, but we have a very corrupt country. Who would have ever thought we would have seen the FBI putting their hand on the election? Not only putting their hand on, but you saw the poll companies come out. could have made a 20-point difference. Now, you know, without it, I won this election. But with it, it, it's, you know, 20 points. You're talking about millions and millions and millions of votes. And I think if they add it all up, 32,000 votes, even by their count, 32,000 is what you needed. This, the pollsters said this would have had a many millions of votes difference. So they rigged the election. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Uh, who could have predicted that uh, this would come to pass? Actually, a lot of people. A lot of people. But who wants to take material steps in the direction of the FBI or the intelligence community, the intelligence, agency, intelligence agencies? You know, absent something that you can't ignore. And... Look Look at how the effort that is being uh, undertaken by the D.C. press corps and the Democrat Socialist Party to ignore all of this. Oh, yeah. You have to dig deep to find the truth on this story. So who could have predicted? A lot of people could have predicted. The question is, when you intercede, what do you do about it? How can you do something about it when you're at the same time lauding the FBI for this or appreciative of the CIA for that? Legitimately, in many cases. And you're saying we rely on these federal law enforcement officers at the FBI. We rely on the agents at uh, CIA and now DHS and DNI. 1975. you got to hear this. Okay. Former Idaho Senator Frank Church, Democrat. This is 1975, all right. Senator Frank Church from Idaho, a Democrat, on the deep state and tech being in bed with government. The technology, essentially the technology companies in bed with government and what that could portend for America almost 50 years ago. But let me tell you this. In the 
need to develop a capacity to know what potential enemies are doing. The United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor the messages that go through the air. Uh, these messages uh, are between ships at sea. They could be between units, uh, military units in the field. We have a very extensive capability of intercepting messages wherever they may be in the airwaves. Now that is necessary and important to the United States as we look abroad at enemies or potential enemies. We must know. At the same time, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people. And no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide. If this government ever became a tyranny, if a dictator ever took charge in this country, the technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. Because I don't want to see this country ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America. And we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law and under proper supervision so that we never cross over that abyss. There, that's the abyss from which there is no return. Idaho Senator Frank Church in 1975, the Church Committee, which exposed massive CIA and FBI criminality ranging from its surveillance of Americans and efforts to destroy dissenting groups to its involvement in illegal drug testing and assassination. 1975, and uh, now layer in tech companies that Senator Church couldn't have imagined that oh. came on the scene three decades later and have folded in with the government. <laughs> Frank in Arlington Heights, here in Chicago's Morning Answer. Well, good morning, Dan and Amy. This is Senator Richard Shelby of <laughs> Alabama, and uh, um, I don't... I, I'm 88 years old, and I'm retiring from the Senate, of course, and we, we just elected a, a great U.S. Senator coming up, Senator Katie Britt. Um, she'll be the hottest senator in the U.S. Senate coming up, no, no doubt. You were talking about that yesterday on your show, stuff like that. Um, but I remember the church committee, of course. And my, I got elected to the House as a Democrat in 1978, and I, I got elected to the Senate by 6,800 votes against uh, Jeremiah Denton. In 1986, I heard you guys were pillaring me, though, on your show here, so I wanted to call in and respond to anything that you needed me to respond to. Uh-huh. Uh, um, uh, yeah. have, uh, the $656 million in earmarks, uh, in, in, uh, that, you know, earmarks that are associated with you, Senator. Is that enough? 
Yeah, well, I know there's Richard Shelby Center at the University of Alabama. Um, so I, I don't think any of that money is going there. But uh, we, we have some earmarks, no doubt. Other senators do it. Other representatives do it. You have to get the money for your state, Dan. Uh-huh. That's the way it works. Does the name have? Does your name have to be on the money that you get for your state everywhere it goes? Um, we have a lot of senators do that. Yes, this courthouse is named after them. There's a Thomas Eagleton courthouse down there in St. Uh-huh. Louis, as you may uh-huh. you may know from your trips down there. Uh-huh. Yeah, lots of them all over the place. The post office is named after lots of people too. This is the way, it, this is the, way the the Senate works. We Harry did a lot of hard work there. One point yeah. seven 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 one point seven trillion dollar omnibus bill. We did. Do you remember the day Dan in nineteen ninety four when I switched parties? Remember that day, November 9th, 1994? I, I got remember up. like it was yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you were just getting out of college, and uh, and I get up there and I said, I, I'm, I, I'm switching parties, affiliation to the Republican Party, effective immediately. And, and I've been a Republican ever since, a good Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Evident, evident, evidently, you're you're not happy with all of my votes. Well, you're you're right. You switch parties so that uh, you could survive in elective office in Alabama because Alabama was turning red. Right? Isn't that why you did it? Well, I, as I said, in my farewell speech. I was at the, the vanguard of, of the Republican realignment in, in yes, uh, yes. In the South. And uh-huh. President Reagan asked me to switch earlier, and I and I did in 1994 when the did well, you, when the signs were obvious. Do you miss Howell Heflin? At all? Do you think about him often? Well, Jeffrey Sessions beat him in 1996, and, and I do think of Howell. Yeah, he was he, he was a good judge, um, good man. Do you think of Do you think of Chris Farley's impersonation of Howell Heflin uh, often as well? Yeah, yes, I do. I also think of um, I forget the comedian who uh, was it Al Franken who who, who uh, imitated Paul Simon from Illinois, your yeah. state. Yeah, with the bow tie. The bow tie. And, uh, and I remember the the Ted Kennedy uh, uh, won by uh, I think that was Phil Hartman as Phil well. Hartman, that yeah. was really good part of that whole thing. And whoever did Joe Biden was good. That was Kevin Nealon, I believe. Yeah, very good. Back in that in that uh, in that skit. So um, you've uh, you've really been honing your Senator Richard Shelby yeah. impersonation, Frank. Good. I'm I'm very impressed. That's uh, that's very good. Yeah. Well, for, thank you. Yeah, and, very good. Uh, have a have a Merry Christmas, guys. Very Take good. Care. Thank you. Frank. Thank you for all that you've done. Yeah, yeah Thanks, Senator. Senator. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever he's related to the Shelby from Pikey Blinders. Uh, Bob in Buffalo Grove. Uh, good morning, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Always great talking to you. Uh, let's go back over 60 years ago. <clears throat> I was a teenager, but I still remember Eisenhower's outgoing speech. Beware the military-industrial complex. Now we can add the tech industry to the, the beware of have a good holiday and drive safe if you're coming to work on one. Thanks for the call, Bob. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, do, do we, maybe this is a conversation that Republicans can take up. I mean, again, I guess essentially the Comer committee is going to be the new church committee. At least uh, that's what we hope. By the way, just to close the loop on the church committee, uh, after the exposure of FBI and CIA criminality, there were some minor reforms enacted to, to try to rein in uh, the CIA and the intelligence agencies. They were gradually reversed, and almost 50 years later, here we are, and layer in big tech companies now. Well, I better take uh, Senator Church's warnings to heart, I would think. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Yesterday. 
This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Boy, I'm sad to hear of Franco Harris's passing. Uh, Mike Scott was reporting that. I'm going to say something that is uh, sacrilegious. Oh, boy. Blasphemous here in Chicago. Okay. Let's get out of here without any emails. The uh, Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers of the late 70s. Best team in NFL history, including the 85 Bears. Uh, Miami Dolphins are going to say no, no, no. No. Undefeated record was the 72 Dolphins? Yes, but um, four Super Bowls with the core intact. Uh, best team in NFL history, Franco Harris and John Stallworth, Lynn Swan, Terry Bradshaw on the Rocky Blyer, and then on the defense with Mean Joe Green and Donnie Shell and Ham and Lambert. Best team in NFL history. 312-642-5600. Turnkey.pro. Answer line 64636. Type in DA. I don't want to dwell comment. on it. I don't want to dwell I know, on it. I know, but I'm, I'm just throwing that if out. If anybody wants to challenge that, I mean, we can pour over it. but Not the 85, okay. 86 Bears? Yeah, I know. Um, you remember them. I, they don't get much <laughs> talk around town, but... Um, yeah, 85 Bears, uh, yeah. you might remember they won a Super Bowl and included uh, players like uh, Jim McMahon. Right, uh, Gary Fensick, Wa- oh. this Walter Payton right. who went to Jackson State. Yes, yeah. oh yeah, now you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I all pay right. attention, you know. Um, all right, let's get to matters uh, local and um, local schooling. K through 12, I know people, I guess, want to talk about the mayor's race. or I don't even know if they actually want to talk about that very much. But everything is going on federally, and we want to also include what's going on locally. K through 12 school systems, school board elections in April of next year. All these teacher contracts that are up. At these school districts, as we were talking about with Ted Dabrowski yesterday. So we'll just keep telling you stories about uh, some of what's going on in school districts in and around Chicagoland. So you get a little flavor for what's happening and maybe what's happening close to home for you. Crete Moni High School's Heather Marie Godbout. She's a member of the school's equity team. Of course she is. And of course the school has it. And she has purple hair. Mm-hmm. I think that should be reserved for kids, but okay. She doesn't uh, appreciate people who disagree with her. People who disagree with her are right-wing conspiracy theorists, nut jobs, quote-unquote. Of course. Uh-huh. Probably racist, insurrectionist, every word she can use. She's opposed to traditional grading policies because grades get, quote, conflated with other things that aren't actually learning, like effort or work ethic, whatever that means. Oh, that's a bunch of bull jive. Whatever that be, work ethic, whatever that means. All you right-wing conspiracy theory nutjobs who seem to think the teachers are out here just indoctrinating children into some sort of woke agenda that you can't actually define, I'm just going to come clean. I am, in fact, indoctrinating your children. Huh? 
I'm indoctrinating children into understanding their own agency and learning how to think critically about issues that impact their lives. I'm indoctrinating children into wanting to be productive citizens, whatever that means, uh, of the world. So that's what I'm doing. I'm indoctrinating them. You're 100% right. Oh, was that you flipping the script on on uh, those critics of your uh, woke politics in the classroom, Miss Goodbout? Yeah. Uh, well, she went on after she uh, made this offering on Libs of TikTok. Uh, made this offering on TikTok. They got picked up by Libs of TikTok, and of course, she became the latest example of the bad example. She responded to the criticism that she's received for those statements I just read from her. I am but the latest teacher on TikTok to be targeted by Fox News Digital. Yesterday around noon, a story dropped about me um, and what a woke indoctrinator I am. Um, And, of course, they said all kinds of things that they seem to perceive as insults, but actually I don't agree are insults. So, you know, there was that. Um, I'm fine. My administrators fully support my First Amendment rights. Um, to free speech on my own social media platforms. Um, And so I, you know, really, other than a couple of nasty grams from people who decided to spend part of their day yesterday looking up my email at my school district and sending me um, some colorful comments, um, one of which was signed by Phil McCracken. So, you know, it's about the level of intellect you would expect from people who would do that sort of thing to send mean emails to people um, that they disagree with. Uh, I really have had no negative repercussions. Um, But this brings up the larger point about teachers and our ability to speak truth to power and to try to make sure that we are creating schools that are um, equitable and safe and are helping to create the society that we all would want to live in. Because I work in a state that has strong teachers unions. Um, I work in a state where we still have collective bargaining rights. I work in a state where tenure and seniority are still a thing. So ultimately for me, this is a blip. Like, okay, whatever, a couple of days I had to spend um, not using my TikTok the way I usually use my TikTok. But the chilling effect that Mm. this can have over Uh time, especially on teachers who um, A, aren't straight passing like I am because they never did pick up on the fact that I'm a queer teacher um, or B are people of color and C work in places where they don't have the same protections that I have in the state and the school district where I work. All of this bullying is just designed to shut us up so that they can continue to push their agenda. And you know, what's not going to happen. I'm not going to shut up. If anybody thinks that I'm going to stop talking about equity in schools or anti-racism because Fox News posted a stupid article about me with the most unflattering picture ever, I might add, they are sorely, sorely mistaken. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636DA, turnkey.pro, text line. If you think she's going to stop uh, pushing her politics in the classroom, then you're sorely mistaken there in Crete Monet 201U. And how dare they use a horrible picture of me? So, um, what they a didn't narcissist. Pick, they didn't pick up on the fact that she's a, a queer teacher, right? Because who cares? Who gives a, every, oh God, nobody cares. She, yeah. God. No, that's not true. Nobody cares. She cares. She cares. And your kids are going to be made to care. 
but he's gay. That's what you have to appreciate. They care. You will be made to care. So don't do the nobody cares and, you know, it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's not fine because you care. It's what you mainly care about. And the secondary effect is you're going to impose your views and your will best you can on kids. And you're going to, frankly, waste everybody's time with your politics in the classroom rather than whatever it is allegedly she teaches at Crete Monee 201U, which is not a particularly good school district, by the way, in terms of academic performance. But, you know, I digress. Are these, well, are these things up. important? I mean, these teachers who try to act hip like their kids, it makes me a little nauseous, meaning the dying of the hair. But besides that, the fact that what she's saying, I mean, she loves, she's bragging that she's indoctrinating, indoctrinating our children, and then she wonders why people are doing a story on her. Well, you're bragging about it. So uh, you, you bought this attention on yourself. I mean, again, all we can do is tell stories, and all you can do is pay attention to what's happening in your school and maybe get involved to run for school board or to support those like-minded who do and to push back on teachers who... Uh, offer this i mean she can say whatever she wants yeah. the, the whole thing is the whole thing that's so silly the projection of the left uh they're trying to silence me no actually i i prefer if you keep talking the more that you talk miss godbout the easier it is for me so please keep talking uh the only group that is trying to enforce the unanimity of opinion is you and yours, because you're in the business of celebrate or else. Right? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. John Naperville, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Who cares how many piercings? No, hold on, hold on. on. John, are you there? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. Start over. That's okay. All right. Yeah, who cares how many piercings a teacher has, what color hair, what gender? I really don't care. Is she teaching the curriculum or is she going off the rails teaching her own curriculum? And is she succeeding teaching the curriculum she's supposed to teach? That's all that matters. Why isn't that what's being talked about? Well, it is what's being talked about except by her. Um, she's she's going to teach. She, I mean, you heard her. I was repeating her words. I'm going to continue with the anti-racism. I'm going to continue with the equity. Those are just the left's code words for their political activism. Um, so, again, don't say I don't care about the color of their hair. or the, I mean, the color of their hair, yeah. I don't care about your gender, your sexual behavior, so on and so forth. They do, and you're going to be made to. That's their disposition. So now you know... What they mean when they present this, what they intend to do when they present their identitarian profile. Now, what are you going to do in response? Don't tell me I don't care, and so I'm. that's all we need to do. Say, I don't care, and then we walk away because I said I don't care. You can't call me a bigot. No. No, I don't care about your sexual behavior. I prefer actually not to hear about it, but you speak your piece. You go ahead. 
but I know what you're doing is introducing that for the purposes of focusing on it and forcing kids to focus on it as they're held captive in your classroom. And that's where I do care. So I think we need to spend a little bit less time telling these neo-Jacobins in the classrooms what we don't care about and a little bit more time telling them what we do care about. Carol in Moments. Hi. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when the, te- the teachers should go on strike, all of them, forever. Right. And, and start over, get these kids out of the public school system, period. Yeah, the password is tax to scholarships in Illinois, at least. Thanks, uh, Carol. Peggy, Chicago. Hi, me? Yeah, yeah Hi, you. Peggy. Yeah, yeah Peggy. I just Hi. wanted to say there's a, there's a DVD called Whose Children Are They? And this is happening now in all the other states. What's happening is that the teachers' unions have all the power. They're getting paid fabulous salaries. The teachers are not getting this. The average teacher is not. But when they get hired, it's like they think they're supposed to join the union. So they sort of automatically do. And what happens is that these these teachers, these unions are actually... They want your children to become um, people controlled by the state. And they showed kindergartners who were holding up signs that said, you know, down with Trump or whatever it is, down with, down with the Republicans. And they were holding signs like that. They were, they were kindergartners. They are being taught to do it, okay? And the teachers are having, I don't know what to do, you know, because... The people with the power are the teachers' unions. Yeah, thanks. And uh, if they if they can get them, what they need to do is to pull the plug on their finances. Well, thanks for the call, Peggy. Right, it's easier said than done. Um, but it does start with, uh, well, parents accessing resources available as needed to send their kid to a better school. And But, but you know, you can't run forever. Um, some people are not going to be able to... Uh, or choose not to uh, send their kid to a private school. So at some point in your life, you got to stand and fight somewhere for something. It always seemed to me that, like, your kids and their education was an obvious place. But maybe I'm wrong. Seems like I am. Paul in Plainfield. Yeah, so, hey, Dan, I have two points. First point is, what do you think the odds of a single parent bringing this up at the board meeting? I don't think it's going to be very great. Uh, two, um, why are these teachers and all of these libs of TikTok people that are mad that they get the publicity that they so much desire, right? Right. right. Yeah. They brought it upon themselves. Exactly. Why isn't she so thrilled that finally she's speaking to an audience that would not normally listen to her on Fox News and uh, lives of she is thrilled, and now she gets to be the you know defiant martyr who's under siege. She is absolutely thrilled about it. That's why they post to TikTok to have lives of TikTok pick it up and to hold them out as examples because they are attention seekers. Otherwise, they wouldn't be you know doing this masturbatory nonsense on TikTok and social media. Exactly right. Thanks for the call, Paul. Julie Southside. Hey, Julie. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. A couple points I would like to bring up this morning. Number one, I can, I'm a teacher. 
I consider myself a good teacher. Um, I don't preach what the left is trying to do to our children. Number two, as a teacher, something that has never been brought up, and I listen to your morning show every morning when I'm driving into school, there's a handbook that students have. How many people have looked at student rights? Students in our school district have rights. And I am so sick and tired of this handbook being thrown in my face for the way these kids dress, for the way these kids speak to us. It is disgusting and it is appalling. In my school, I have never seen more bustiers and Victoria's Secret worn by our kids, and, and those, nothing is done about it. And those are the those are the boys. Uh, thanks Correct. for the thanks for the call, Julie. This is Chicago's morning answer. I want Christmas. Just give me plain baby Jesus lying in a manger. Christmas. An AM five sixty. The answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Merry Christmas. On AM 560. Ho, ho, ho. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Gerard Baker writing in the Wall Street Journal about uh, 2022 lessons to be learned. He writes, if we can draw any lesson about the direction of Western politics in 2022, it's that voters haven't decided to re-embrace the failing governing classes. They have simply rejected the chaotic buffoonery and malignant narcissism of some of their recent champions. Haven't decided to re-embrace the failing governing classes. Golly, why would they not want to re-embrace the failing governing classes? Well, let me count the ways. Here are three principles of the current regime, starting with Mr. 10%, the big guy, President Biden. This uh, video unearthed from a November 4th campaign rally where Joe Biden is asked by ostensibly uh, an Iranian-American or an Iranian reporter, I'm not sure which, about the Iran nuclear deal. Is it going to happen? She didn't want him to do it. And he announced that I'm not going to announce what I'm about to tell you. We aren't going to announce it. It is dead, but we're not going to announce it for a number of reasons. You just announced it. That's Biden. On, on like a signature piece of the foreign policy agenda of the Obama three terms. God, he doesn't think sometimes before he speaks. Corinne Jean-Pierre, oh, no, the enough. White House spokeshuman for Mr. 10%. Yesterday, had this exchange with Jackie Heinrich of Fox News on Title 42. And the Title 42, I know the Supreme Court has put a pause on it. But Title 42 going away, the COVID-era regulation that allowed 
the federal government to repel people coming into this country based right. on public health. This is listen to this exchange from Heinrich and between Heinrich and KJP, remembering that the Biden administration pursued repealing Title Forty Two. If you're if you're saying that Republicans aren't doing the work um, to get this done, and then you have someone like Joe Manchin saying, "Well, the president has the ability to ask for an extension. He should be asking for an extension because we're at this point where you've got a deadline and a crisis." Is that within the president's authority to do that? So look, we remain we're, we remained under a court order to lift Title Forty Two. That is Are a court order. That, that is a court order that is telling us to lift Title Forty Two, and we're going to comply because we follow the rule of law. But the administration that is, sought to lift. That it. is, but it is a court order. But that is that started by you guys. It was a court order that has been provided to us, and so now we have to comply, and that is we have to comply by December twenty first. It is it is a law so that is with don't support. Court? What I'm saying is that I, what I'm saying that it is a court order. It's a court order. That I is know. We got it. Court order that we are going to comply with. Do you know what a court order is? Um, by the way, uh, it's not a law. It's a court order. Number one. Number two. Um, the point uh, Jackie Heinrich was making: you sought the court order, and now you're pretending that you're beholden to the court order that you sought. You didn't have to seek it, and you could withdraw pursuing it. Uh, it's a court order. Our hands are tied. Oh, my gosh. Is she dumb? I mean, she's just so she's dumb. Come on. So in over her head, and it's not getting any better. It's not even a close call. Speaking of, of those adjectives, <laughs> Kamala Harris on NPR's All Things Considered. So we got uh, Joe Biden announcing he's not going to announce the Iranian nuclear deal is dead. We got KJB pretending that the court order on Title 42 is not something the administration sought. And we right. got Kamala Harris against the backdrop of all of the Twitter files that have been dumped over the last several weeks. Kamala Harris on NPR talking about social media and social media companies. Oh, no. So what I would say about any social media site is this. I would I fully expect and would require that leaders in that sector cooperate and work with us who are concerned about national security, concerned about upholding and protecting our democracy, to do everything in their power to ensure that there is not a a manipulation um, that is allowed um, or overlooked that is, is done with the intention of upending the security of our democracy oh and our nation. Uh, I mean, it's just, so so the takeaway from all the information we have about federal law enforcement and intel agencies colluding at minimum with big tech companies, her takeaway from that is that's not strong enough. I would require them to do it. And uh, you wonder why Gerard Baker writes, um, yeah, voters haven't decided to re-embrace the failing governing classes. God forbid if we ever do. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by the aforesaid Gerard Baker, editor-at-large, Wall Street Journal. Gerard, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so you can understand why people are uh, searching, feeling like they're searching in the dark for competence from their government. 
Yeah, that was like listening to a, a, a performance called Dumb, Dumber and Dumber, wasn't it really? That? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you, I don't know how you get to... Uh, by the way, on Corinne Jean-Pierre, I, I do wonder if there's any topic on which she's at all knowledgeable, because she clearly knows nothing about the economy, she knows nothing about the laws, she pointed out she knows nothing about foreign policy. It's a really, really, really strange uh, state of affairs. Look, I mean, the, the, uh, you are absolutely right, and I thank you for uh, referring to my column. I did write... In 2022, voters didn't uh, not re-embrace those failed leaders. I think the problem, the the, 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 the thing that prompted that rather obvious uh, point was a less obvious point, which is that you know we had a strange year this year electorally. I mean, we have a government. You're absolutely right. We have an administration that is um, incompetent and ideologically driven in a direction that I'm confident the vast majority of Americans do not want to go. They've messed up the economy. Inflation is an extraordinary mess, and the corollary of inflation is going to be probably a recession next year. Uh, as you point out, they can't seem to they keep falling over themselves on whether it's the JCPOA on foreign policy, on the mess in Afghanistan that they created, uh, what they're doing domestically in terms of some of the stuff, some of the stuff that uh, Kamala Harris is talking about there with uh, Twitter. But they, look, this is a, this is a, this is a, this is an epically, epically, picturesquely disastrous administration, I think. And yet, what happened in the midterm elections? Democrats basically won. I mean, let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. They increased their majority and they got themselves a majority, a real majority in the Senate. They held the... They, okay, Republicans did win, win back the House, but by the narrowest of margins, and thanks, essentially, to the kind of red wave that we got in Florida and to some extent in New York, which just tipped enough House seats over the line. And Democrats made seats in state houses and, and governorships uh, around the country. So the question, so the, the worry is that that people that certainly, and it certainly seems to be the lesson that Joe Biden and his crowd seem to be absorbing, which is that hey, you know, we can kind of just do anything here, really. I mean, you know, people think we're doing a great job. It's it's because you know never before has a dem- not since John F. Kennedy has a Democrat done so well in, mid- in, in an incumbent president done so well, an incumbent Democratic president done so well in midterm elections. So I think the you know the lessons that have to be drawn are this is not a, a this is not the American people are not voting to uh, affirm and to endorse these failed policies. They're voting, unfortunately, for Democrats in greater numbers than one would have expected, because the alternative has not been very attractive. Um, and that's why my reference to chaotic buffoonery and malignant narcissism that's the problem. So the you know I think I think I'm hopeful. The Republicans have come through uh, the last year, have learned the lessons correctly, and now as we face another year or two of a disastrous administration with Democrats controlling the Senate and being able to do more in the Senate than they've been able to do in the last year, we will. I think people will start to see just how bad things are. Uh, with respect to um, uh, Zelensky coming to – talking a little bit more about foreign policy, with Zelensky coming to address a joint session of Congress and pick up his $45 billion check, how, how much uh, – how, how, uh, how do you look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the West response in terms of the uh, the impact on geopolitical stability in 2022? How much does that inform America's standing in the world, the response to Putin? So I think, look, I know a lot of people are unhappy about this and they don't like the fact that the United States is, uh, has been uh, funneling large amounts of military aid and financial aid to Ukraine. And by the way, I think it's outrageous that the United States is is doing that is doing that heavy lifting. And Europeans, who have just basically given up um, any notion, of, I think something else I wrote in my column this week is that the Americans, the Europeans, maybe have finally woken up from their ridiculous 
dream that you know they could live in a kumbaya world where nobody nobody goes to war with anybody or anybody else. It's, it's ridiculous that the United States is is providing the vast vast bulk of the support for Ukraine. The European should be providing much more. That said, I actually do think this is this is um, a this is valuable and necessary. I think the the damage that has been inflicted on Russia this year by the Ukrainians, thanks in large part to American military, uh, American weapons and American material, is enormously important. It's you know we we've gone. Vladimir Putin has been in power for 20 years, more than 20 years in Russia, and every uh, as he the longer he's been in power, the more he has um, expanded Russia's sway in the world, both through economic terms, in economic terms, and in uh, energy, but also most importantly, military. You know, he's invaded country after country. He invaded Georgia. He's invaded Ukraine twice. He has been uh, messing around in the Middle East in ways that are unhelpful to us. The damage that Ukraine, the Ukrainian people, again with primarily American assistance, have been able to inflict on Russia. The pushback against that expansionism, that revanchism of of Vladimir Putin, that is one of the you know I mean a terrible thing to say because so many people have died. Uh, it's such a you know it's a tragedy that wars happen in uh, ever, but this this one in particular. But the the strategic advantage that has given the United States in the world is incalculable. So it's a cynical thing to say, but for the whatever it turns out to be, a hundred billion dollars of aid. Uh, we may end up giving Ukraine, or maybe even more than that. That is represents extraordinarily good value because of the strategic advantage that it has given the United States over one of the most, one of the two most important strategic adversaries that the United States faces. Well, why? Well, why hasn't the Europeans done more? You know, were they just reliant on America and said, "Oh, they'll take care of it"? Yeah, because they don't. Yeah, I mean, first of all, their economy is in a, in a terrible state, partly because. They pursued bad policies, and particularly because they pursued terrible energy policies. They've, you know, given up on fossil fuels or trying to give up on fossil fuels, which is an act of folly. Um, sec- secondly, they don't have military. Cap- they don't really, no, except for the British, to be fair, and the French to some extent, they don't really have military capabilities either in terms of uh, their own actual weapon, their own, their own, their own um, military forces, or in terms of their own. Armaments industry. They don't have the. They just don't. Uh, again, out, out out with the British and the French. You just don't have that kind of capability. Um, and you know that is the. And by the way, and to be, whatever one may think about Donald Trump, and I've been very critical of Donald Trump. You know, one of his important insights when he was president was to say to the Europeans, you know, we're not going to carry. We're not going to pick up the tab all the time. We're not going to keep doing this. You've got to contribute more to defence. You know, and particularly. Given the risk of war in your own continent, which of course has now come to pass, you need to do more. And unfortunately, they just don't. They don't have. They've spent 50, 60, 70 years running down their own defence capabilities, and they just don't have the ability to do it. Only the United States, and I say on a smaller level, Britain and France, that have any sort of ability to do that. How Ukraine plays uh, domestically here, uh, you know, it's just so interesting. This realignment where uh, the left are is now for you know foreign interventions and underwriting wars in faraway places with uh, you know they're they're putting their Ukra- the Ukrainian flag on their Facebook page and so on and so forth um, th- so so they're they're there for uh, basically blank check for Ukraine they're there for uh, blank check and no oversight for CIA and FBI this is where the left is in this country and so I'm thinking yeah. about that and t- as you talk we talk about these uh, the domestic as well as the the, the, the international and how it relates to domestic. And maybe with respect to the midterms, maybe we're trending in a place, at least right now in America, 
where it's going to be an eight or nine seat majority one way or the other in the in the House. It's going to be a couple seats one way or the other in the Senate. It's going to be very close races, a, a, t- a few tens of thousands of votes spread across a few states for president because blue states are getting bluer and red states are getting redder and the country's just that much more divided. Yeah, that's possible. Although, actually, I do think I think the Republicans, again, if they hadn't um, picked bad candidates and pursued this, you know, ruinous, um, this ruinous approach of, you know, we've got to relitigate the 2020. We didn't lose the 2020 election, and it was all fraud and stolen, and we and that turned people off to an extraordinary degree. I think if it hadn't been for that, I think Republicans would have done a lot better. Look, probably Republicans actually won the popular vote in the in the House race right. by about three and a half in the, by about three and a half points, despite the challenges that they were facing. So. Um, I, you're but right. that's what, I mean, that's what I mean. It, but but I mean, sorry to interrupt. But that's what I, that's what I mean. The margins get bigger, but it doesn't change the balance. In other words, you know, Dewine, DeSantis, um, Abbott, they they represent uh, you know about um, I don't know sixty percent of that popular vote spread just in those three states. And so it doesn't really change the balance of power. You just see the spreads increase, the margin of error increase in these races statewide and even at the congressional level. Well, I mean, without getting into the weeds, I mean, some of that is partly, I mean, on the House side, part of it is because there are many more safe House seats thanks to redistricting, right? So, mm-hmm. it is, yeah, you're right. You need, you need a bigger overall uh, popular vote majority to produce a bigger majority in the House. But I would say, I mean, again, I'd push back a little bit. I, look, at, look at what happened in Florida. Ron DeSantis, you know, that, that is a, you'd say, you know, we're, we're a 50-50 nation. Yeah, it's true. But look what, Florida's been a 50-50. Florida's been a purple state for as long as anyone can remember. It's been the swing state. Ron DeSantis won that state by nearly 20 points. Right. Now, that to me suggests that there is some, you know, now I know part of that is inward migration from, right. you know, people have come in. Although, frankly, one of the things people were concerned about was, you know, a lot of inward migration has come from blue states like New York in particular to, down to Florida. And people were worried that that might tilt the balance uh, in Florida. Um, yeah, but it was red voters from blue states, as it turned out. Yeah, yeah, true. But the point is, um, this was, uh, this is a, this was an extraordinary blowout that he achieved in Florida, and I think that is – there's a lesson in that. Look, and by the way, I'm not quite ready to jump on the Ron DeSantis bandwagon yet. I think, there, I think he hasn't really been tested. I think he's a clever politician, but I think there's a lot of questions to be asked about how good he is. But look, just look at that record. He governed for four years. He won that state, remember, by a wafer-thin margin in 2018. He governed for four years in a populist, Trumpian, let's say we can say, it, Trumpian way, but he just didn't have any of the – nonsense and the buffoonery and the kind of malignancy that, that, that's associated with Donald Trump, and he won by 20 points. Yeah. So I, 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 I think it's – look, I'm not suggesting for a second that it's going to be a Republican candidate, include, DeSantis included, in 2024. He's going to win the election by 20 points. He's not – you're right. We're, it's closer than that. But I don't think we have to have these endless, endless knife-edge 50-50 um, contests. I think there is a hunger for competent – um, government that represents Americans and actually stands for what America stands for and achieves things that America and, and recognizes the greatness of this country and the greatness of the American people. I think there's a big majority out there for that, and we'll, we'll see. He is Gerard, Bar- uh, Gerard Baker, excuse me, editor at large, The Wall Street Journal. Gerard, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer. Santa's coming it's to town. Oh, my God! An AM 560. Santa here? I know him. The answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Three numbers. 4,155. 
1.7 trillion and 10. 4,155 page spending bill that adds up to about 1.7 trillion dollars that is going to move because 10 Republican senators are going to do the bidding of their fellow spendocrats in the Socialist Party and uh, and move this to the president's desk. I, I mean, Rand Paul even just tweeted, wow, what fighters. The GOP Democrats give the IRS an additional $8 billion per year over the next 10 years. What courage. And then he wrote a song, a Christmas song about all this. The senators were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of pork danced in their heads. No budget was found, just mischief and debt, while the taxpayers hung their poor heads and wept. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, senators sprang from their oxygen. What was the matter? Away to the window they flew like a flash, tore open the shutters when they heard the word cash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a 4,000-page omni with endless debt year after year. With a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now McConnell, now Schumer, now Pelosi and Vixen, on Biden, on Stupid, on Dumber and Blitzen, to debt, to bankruptcy, to free money for all. Now dash away, dash away, more cash for all. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As the economy threatened to run aground, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of earmarks he had flung on his back, an appropriator's dream opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled. For more on this, uh, please to be joined by Steve Moore, economist, author of Govzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Like Good morning, song? guys. By the way, I'm, I'm coming to – I love that song. Or a and, poem. And boy, yeah. if, if only we had a, a few more Rand Pauls in the Congress, what a difference that would make. By the way, before we get to this, though, I am coming to Chicago on Friday. Now, uh, here it's going to be very balmy in the 60s or 70s, uh, right? Um, 65 so. mile-per-hour winds. <laughs> Good luck getting in because, you know, we're having a bomb cyclone, they're calling it. So, How much snow – okay, if I fly in on – Will I be okay if I fly in on Friday with the snow? No, you're so. not going to get in. I think you've got a problem, even with uh, really? the, that supersonic jet you fly around in. I, I don't know if that gets Uh-oh. in. All right. Yeah. Well, I'd try anyway, to leave that... Thursday or come Saturday. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. So uh, what's going on? And, you know, I've, I've said this so many times on your show. It's not – this country is not suffering from um, COVID. It's suffering from mad cow disease. And that is what's happening on on Capitol Hill right now as we speak, as they continue to debate this atrocious bill. $1.7 trillion. This is the highest, uh, you know, this is on top of the $4.5 trillion Biden has spent. Republicans are supposed to be cutting, cutting government spending. Cut, cut, cut. And instead of cutting government spending, we're seeing just massive increases. They're, they're back to their game of fork barrel 
uh, spending with the slices of bacon for every district. Uh, this is a going away present for Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama, who gets uh, almost a billion dollars of pork for his state. You know, it would be cheaper to just buy the guy a gold watch, for goodness sakes, than to, than to give, up, give away this budget. It, it, is, it is so rancid. And I got to tell you, conservatives around the country are so angry. And this is I've spent a lot of time on your show trashing Biden and trashing, you know, uh, Chucky Schumer and, and, and trashing uh, Pelosi. But this one is, the, is on the Republicans. They're the ones who are allowing this to happen. Well, so uh, what's the response other than the chastising that's coming from the House to these lame duck uh, Republican senators and just these lame senators like Mitt Romney that are going to provide the votes to move this along? If there's no accountability within the Republican Party, as we learned here in Illinois, then people don't trust that you'll be accountable if you were ever put in charge of anything. Uh, Well, why would anybody trust the Republicans after this? I mean, seriously, why would we have any trust? that Republicans are going to change directions when they do what they're doing right now to us. They're supposed to be taking a chainsaw out of the budget. We're running a trillion and a half dollar deficit this year. They're adding another, uh, you know, trillion to $2 trillion on, on top of the $31 trillion in debt. They say we need to do this for our national security. Uh, look, $850 billion for the defense. I'm for a, a strong national security, but you don't measure national security by how much money you spend in Washington. You know, look at all the waste in the Pentagon. There's 100,000 civilians. It's the biggest bureaucracy in, in the world. And so what happens here, Dan Amy, just so you understand the psychosis, is Democrats want to spend hundreds of billions of dollars more for social programs. Republicans want to spend, money, you know, tens and tens of billions of dollars more for, for defense. And what they do is sit down at the table, and they both get what exactly what they want. And the, the budget goes through the roof. That's, yeah, it's the same old, same old. And Richard Shelby gets $656 million yeah. worth of earmarks to put his name on buildings all over Alabama. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I still say that a bronze statue would be a lot cheaper than, than $656 Clearly, million. Clearly, it could be a nice statue for, the, for, <laughs> a a lot, for de- half the price. It's a great departure gift, that's for sure. So, um, yeah. okay, and yeah. and so... And so, and so, there's no accountability for McConnell. There's no real desire to change him, uh, to, to change the leadership of the Senate Republican Caucus. Uh, most of these guys are leaving, and the other guys are more or less insulated. So, um, I don't know. I mean, other than, other than the jawboning you're getting from some House Republicans, what do Republicans, just rank-and-file Republicans out here in flyover country, what, what, what are they supposed to take away from this? Well, it's or not do done yet. about it. They, they, they haven't voted on this yet. It really is important for people to, you know, uh, call your congressman, call your senator. Just I know you've got two hopeless senators there in Illinois, but just to dis, just to express your disgust with this. I mean, if if people would just rebel, like, and we we need you know we need people in the streets, you know, uh, protesting peacefully, of course, against what's going on in this town right now. It is so um, outrageous. That we elected these people so they would cut the budget. The first thing, and that you know, they, that's all they've talked about for the last year. Oh, we're going to bring the budget under control. No, they're not. They're not going to do that. Now, you know, here's the other thing. Uh, other than Rand Paul and maybe ten or twelve, I had lunch with Rand the other day. He says there's only about ten or twelve Republicans who actually want to cut the budget in the, in the entire United States Senate out of 49 senators. Uh-huh. Only twelve. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. That's about right. And so, the, so that and the point is like this whole. Uh, Oh, uh, you know, how, why would you why would you deleverage and not wait for House Republicans to take control and and address this uh, 
uh, annual spend next year after you have House Republicans in charge? Well, because we're afraid we're not going to get all the spending we want. That's the real answer. <laughs> exactly. Now, see, this is an important point that you're making. No one can really understand the logic of what's going on here. In, what, three weeks or so, Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House. You know, we'll, we'll, I can't wait for that day when, you, you know, you, you take that gavel away from her. But that means you'll have a Republican-run House that can start over again. I mean, in other words, why not just pass a two- or three-week budget to get us through the next three weeks and start over and then start cutting? I mean, there's a hundred. We know that there's about $250 billion of fraud and waste in the unemployment program and the Medicaid program and the PPP program. None of this stuff has ever been investigated. None of these programs have ever come back. We've never caught up with the criminals who stole the money. Um, <laughs> well, there's, by the way, defense department. Oh, we've got to spend another $40 billion on defense. If we just took the green energy programs out of the defense department, we could use those to provide the money that we need for the Ukraine, the Ukrainians. By the way, how much money, how much of that money do you think actually gets to the Ukrainians? Well, that, that's a, that's an open question. There's been some reporting <laughs> that suggests that, um, yeah, other than the actual delivery of of hardware, um, yeah, there are real questions about the accountability of yeah. that money. Okay, yeah. What about the humanitarian aid that's supposed to come with it? What's that? The humanitarian aid that's supposed to come with it. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, you know, and I'm being very serious about this. Americans, we all agree that we want to help the Ukrainians in any way we can. If everybody just, probably everybody knows some uh, Ukrainian, just send them a check. <laughs> just send, don't have the government do it. If, if we all just, you know, sent a $200 check to, you know, a friend in the Ukraine, then they, that would do a hell of a lot more good for the Ukrainian people than these government programs that get intercepted by all these NGOs. You know, there's like hundreds and hundreds of these NGOs that take a big slice off the top of the money before it even gets to the country of Ukraine. Yeah. We're still doing yoga for Ukrainians every week. Yeah, there's a... The, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Down dogs for Ukrainians. Uh-huh. And where, and where does the money go? Um, oh, I got another one for you, by the way. Care yeah. of Del- care yeah. Zelensky. By the way, there was a political, political story this week. U.S. cable warns of major barriers to tracking Ukraine aid. The State Department cable services yeah. amid growing calls for strict yeah. oversight of the money and weapons <laughs> flowing to Ukraine. But, I mean, here again, this is just why would this the, the Ukrainian aid be treated any differently than domestic spending, right. which is all we care about is the inputs. We don't care about the outputs. So we were reading through. By the way, you were exactly right. This is how many pages? Four thousand. What was the number you gave? One fifty-five. Forty-one fifty-five. There's another thousand pages attached to it. That's like you know further discussion. And so it's about it's actually closer to about five thousand pages. Now, uh, Amy, how yes. many of the Repub- the members of Congress would you say have actually read the five thousand page bill? Uh, I'm going to go with zero. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You got it right. Nobody it's not an easy, easy beach what... read either. I mean, the I mean clerk nobody even, even knows what's in this bill. I've been talking to members. I've been calling them and saying, did you know this is in the bill? Oh, no, I didn't. How'd that get in there? I mean, and so last night we discovered there's about $450 billion, million for building um, borders, border security in other countries in Africa and the Middle East. Oh, so but like, not our border? That's awesome. Exactly. That's and awesome. That's the most insane Africa. thing. $450 million for border security, but not in the United States. It's perfect. That's perfect. Hey, Stephen Moore, real quick. Uh, yeah. Trump's tax releases or long-sought tax returns are going to be released in a few days. Uh, what are we going to discover yeah. in those? First of all, this is really one of the most outrageous violations of the law and the Constitution. 
Uh, these are private. I don't care what you think about Donald Trump. You hate him. You love him. Whatever. Any uh, been in between. The idea that Congress is going to force uh, a private – Donald Trump is a private citizen now. For him to be required by Congress to disclose his tax returns is an outrageous violation of his rights. Shame on Congress for doing this. Uh, if, look, if the, if the Congress wants to pass a law that says when you run for president, we have the right to look at your tax return. Okay, fine. Do it. Pass the law. There is no such law. This is if they're going to if they can look at his tax returns, they can look at yours. They can look at yours, Amy. They can look at my tax return. This is this. Everyone should be outraged by this abuse of power, power by Congress. Do I know what's in, in Donald Trump's tax returns? No, that's his own private business. Yeah, and of course the precedent it sets. You're going to now just have tax returns become another political tool. Um, exactly. And and this is why Ken Griffin actually is suing the IRS for for the yep. the uh, criminal release of his tax returns. Somebody oh, got him over to Axios, I think it was. And, and why do you think Dan, that, Why do you think yeah. they want? Why do you think they want eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents? Yeah, exactly. Folks, they're coming after you. If I just learned that you know from did did you say that uh, Rand Paul is saying there's what ten billion more for the IRS or something like that. I, I don't even know the number. I, I should know this stuff, but the, I haven't made it through the 4,000 pages. But, you know, th- this is why we have got to stop the hiring of 87,000 IRS agents. They're now going to look at transactions as little as $600. If, if you go out and buy a household appliance, Amy, the IRS is going to know about it. It's $8 billion per year over 10 years uh, for the IRS. That's that, that's that's a cut. They, they they announced that they got they they were they were championing that they cut funding to the IRS, which is oh okay yeah. Which but but I mean it's 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 nominal given the the, the scope of the IRS anyway. Sure. Uh, uh, Steve Moore, economist, author of Govzilla. Steve, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Okay, so you guys say I should probably bring a sweater if I come too well. Yeah, yeah, you might yeah. want to bring a jacket. Layers, layers. <laughs> yeah. All right. Don't forget Great. the have gloves. A, have a merry Christmas, guys. All right. <laughs> Take thanks. care. And happy Hanukkah and all that. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer. This is a full-blown four-alarm holiday emergency here. On AM560. We're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny and K. The answer. This is Chicago's morning answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560. The answer. Installment of a campus beat takes us to Harvard. Did you say Harvard? One of those uh, divinity schools turned incubator for Satanism. And it's a story about their uh, incoming university president, Claudine Gay, currently the dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. Um, she is somebody who covers for falsified scholarship. And punishes people for actual scholarship, the results of which she doesn't like. For more on the story of Claudine Gay, and really, I mean, since we're talking about Harvard, what it it tells you about uh, the Academy generally in 2022 America. Pleased to be joined by Francis Menton, the Manhattan contrarian. Francis Menton, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. 
Uh, good morning. Great to be here. Tell us the story of Claudine Gay and uh, how she was able to climb the ladder to become the next university president at Harvard. Uh, <laughs> good effort at the snooty Thank Harvard you. accent. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I've seen the term failing up for Claudine Gay uh, several times. She she worked her way up the ladder at Harvard. I think her academic career has uh, almost entirely been there. Uh, she was a, a faculty member relatively briefly. Her her academic writings are relatively thin and quickly went into the administration and deanships where she has uh, risen from post to post, and most recently for about, I think about five years, the Dean of the Faculty of Arts and Sciences. For, for those who don't know what that is, it's it's the large majority of the university. So all of the academic departments, like uh, everything from English to history to foreign languages, economics, all the sciences are all under the Faculty of Arts and Sciences, all the undergraduates. Uh, what's not under that is the professional schools like law, medicine, et cetera. But right, and so she's probably... so she's there, and she's able to start climbing uh, Peter Principle style uh, by making by by uh, uh, setting down markers like a covering, uh, whitewashing uh, an academic fraud case involving Ryan Enos, who was uh, I guess a young professor at the time this occurred a few years ago, and uh, he did a story, he did a research paper on the uh, impact of the demolition of public housing uh, and uh, uh, any falsified data. He, he actually looked at Chicago, too, and the public housing projects here. And he falsified data, and that wasn't a big deal to her. Well, you say he falsified data, and I, I would say I, I, I certainly I, I don't want to claim that I concluded that because I didn't I didn't look at his data, et cetera. But let's say he was the subject of. Uh, very credible whistleblower accusations of falsified data that that came along with uh, uh, plenty of stuff to check whether the whistleblower was right or not, including computer code. Um, and uh, the, the matter, the, the whistleblower is anonymous under a federal statute, so we don't know who that is. So the person might be credible or not, but the matter was referred to a Harvard um, uh, body, uh, which seems to be the Harvard body that it ought to have been referred to, um, uh, and and then that body dismissed the claims without ever looking into it, refused to look into them, right. and, and refused to also... Um, refer those claims to any other body that might be um uh that might be responsible so it was, she didn't want she didn't want to investigate it because she liked the she liked the professor the she liked the the paper the yeah the results of the paper that he published and so moving on uh no big but, deal but, yeah you're i mean you're concluding it's because she liked the the results of the paper and i think that's a very fair conclusion certainly Certainly, that's where everything would point to. But, but and the, so, and the so reason, this guy, and, this guy is is supporting something that he calls racial threat theory, which is some 
some version or branch of critical race theory, which is closely related to what to to Miss Gay's own uh, uh, topics of her own academic research, such as it is. So he, he's a close academic ally of hers, and and uh, she manages to get any investigation of these very credible allegations squashed. Again, I want to say I I did not personally review the allegations. Yeah, that's the, fine. I get the, it. Not, yeah, you, the, you know, the, the yeah. only thing I'm saying is here's some very credible allegations. They're referred to what is clearly the correct committee. and uh, She didn't and want to investigate. She, she gets a... a a letter issued, not by her, but by another guy who's her immediate subordinate. She gets a letter Spike issued. Spike the investigation. Right. Spiking Spiking the investigation. Yeah, yeah, but 800 plus precincts in Chicago are missing from the data. Yeah, I mean, how can you do uh, a... We don't, we don't, there's no need to litigate it. She, she, she didn't want yeah. this thing investigated. It's a credible claim. She spiked the investigation because she's an ideological, this guy's an ideological fellow traveler. The flip side of that is Roland Fryer, who we've talked about in this show, who is an eminent economist. Uh, he, uh, I think he's one of the uh, youngest tenured uh, professors in Harvard history, and he has published a number of studies on crime stats. Uh, we talked about the one that you reference in your piece, where he found. And by the way, he had, he's you know discloses he's a Democrat. It's not like he's, but anyway, he, on the um, on officer involved shootings, he found no racial differences in the raw data, contextual or uh, the uh, or when contextual factors taken into account. So the idea that. Uh, cops are not out there gunning for black men was refuted by his study, and thus Roland Fire was targeted by Claudine Gay. One would argue. Uh, yeah, you say one would argue. So what happened? And and I think there, this is really uh, a, a pretty clear one. Uh, again, all of Claudine Gay's motives are are difficult to know, but here is Roland Fryer, a very rapidly rising star on the Harvard faculty, coming to some inconvenient conclusions for the preferred narrative, uh, uh, and and then uh, shortly after that article that you talked about came out, and this occurred, I think the article may have come out in 2016 or 17, and then the allegations hit Fryer in 2017 or 18 when he when he fires somebody who worked for him who essentially is in a secretary role not not one of his researchers but somebody who does his schedule and so forth and uh he accused her of screwing up and fired her and offered her a severance package and then Harvard cut it she didn't like it and she started making allegations of uh, let's call it sexual misconduct, but the allegations don't have anything to do with like asking for sex or touching her, or uh, or it's like uh, off-color jokes like and so forth, right? There are things like off-color jokes, and I I went through a lot of them. Stuart Taylor uh, for Real Clear Investigations wrote a long article, which I think includes all of them. If you go all the way through it, some of them are jokes about big butts. Some of them are, I mean, I I think yeah, I quoted okay. my. my my, I think I quoted my favorite one here, which is I learned my negotiating skills uh, trying to get laid in high school. That was right. Okay, yeah, that was okay. one so of them. Offensive. That's that's a that's a joke. Roland Fryer allegedly said, yeah. and they in the allegedly with an right. earshot of her, and so so anyway, so 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 she makes this charge, and then what does Claudine Gay do as uh, this uh, as 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 Roland Fryer is going through the disciplinary proceedings within Harvard? 
Well, so so Roland Fryer's case goes to a different uh, body at uh, at uh, Harvard, the Office of Dispute Resolution, I think it's called. Yeah, right. And uh, and they look at it. There's something like forty or more, fifty allegations of of these uh, off-color jokes against Roland Fryer, uh, and they find that all but six of them either are didn't happen or there's no credible evidence of it or are not objectively offensive or whatever. But they find six of them uh, cross some kind of a, a line that they have determined. And so they come down and recommend that Roland Pryor should be uh, uh, required to attend some uh, mandatory sensitivity training. And and that was the result of that investigation. But before the punishment was actually imposed, uh, the uh, it went before some uh, committee of high-ranking administrators at Harvard for review of whether they thought the punishment was appropriate. And the highest-ranking administrator on that committee was Claudine Gay. And when it when it came when the recommended punishment came back from that committee instead of getting uh, mandatory sensitivity training Roland Fryer got two years suspension without pay uh, all his research projects stopped and all and his uh, research facility and all his uh, assistants uh, fired and that's so, only uh, and that's only because she couldn't send him to the chair um, <laughs> but he's a successful black male young age 30. And what did he well, do? He's not 30 anymore. Well, not well, yeah, 30 he anymore, was, but at I, the time, he was up and coming. Mid-40s. He, he was 30 when he got tenure, which I think is in 2007. And this occurred in two, uh, 2000. The, the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the accusations occurred in about 2018, I think, or 17. I think a big report on the, the report of this disciplinary committee came out in, which is 70 pages long, came out in 2018, maybe late in the year. This punishment was imposed uh, maybe starting in 2019 and going to 2021. Believe it or not, what I can't believe, and I don't understand this, the guy stayed at Harvard. He's still there. He he went through all this stuff, and he's he, he was banned from teaching for a couple of years. He's back to teaching, and... And he's still at Harvard. I, I, Good, I can't he didn't let him really... win. Yeah, probably. That's probably his attitude. I love it. Good for him. I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know the, the depths of his thinking. But all this stuff really didn't come out until a, a lot of the detail, including the role of Claudine Gay, did not come out until 2022. Okay. All right. So let's. But we, we gotta get through this. I can't. I don't want to lose the force for the trees here. <laughs> um. So all right. So so this guy who's uh, accused of academic fraud. Uh, don't even want to investigate it. This uh, superstar economist, uh, n- not only are we going to investigate it and uh, charge him with every joke he's ever allegedly made, then you get a recommendation for a slap on the wrist sensitivity training. She comes over the top with a two-year unpaid suspension. And then, oh, by the way, Ronald Sullivan, who we also have talked about on this show, who was an eminent law professor at Harvard, um, he made the mistake. He made two mistakes as it pertains to Claudine Gay and the orthodoxy at Harvard. One was uh, being on uh, uh, Weinstein's defense team. Uh, and two was that the one, being on Weinstein's defense team provided the opportunity that I'm sure Claudine Gay was looking for because Ronald Sullivan represented Roland Fryer in his disciplinary proceedings at the university. 
Uh, yes, that's true. Now, Ronald Sullivan, Ronald Sullivan's a law professor, and right. remember this, this distinction that I made earlier about the Faculty of Arts and Science. Uh, so Ronald Sullivan's not under her jurisdiction. No, but and, she can she can weigh in when when the barbarians in the student body go uh, you know get their pitchforks and torches out for Ronald Sullivan. Exactly, that's what's true. So when Ronald Sullivan was uh, defending uh, Weinstein, which now is a few years ago, uh, Weinstein was just convicted again, but Sullivan was working for him, I think, in 2019. And uh, when that happened, as you say, some students got their uh, pitchforks and knives out for him. They did, were unhappy that a Harvard professor would be working on the defense team of Weinstein, and suddenly Claudine Gay <laughs> weighs in and gets there's a front page article in the Harvard Crimson uh, with the headline: Dean Gay calls Sullivan's response to student concerns insufficient, and basically they bullied him off of uh, off of Weinstein's defense team. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, here the coup de gras here. Wait for it. Wait for it. Uh, Francis, tell us who the head of the Harvard University Search Committee was. Oh well, yeah, well, yeah, you're from Illinois. You're going to know Penny Pritzker. Hey, so, you know, she's Jay Pritzker's sister. Of course, sister, but of I, course. Yes, I don't know course. how well. Uh, yes, yes. Well, you guys must know her well. Oh right? yes, oh, very we're well. She was yeah, commerce secretary. Oh yeah, she oh, was, no, yeah, we're yeah, familiar. Yeah. With her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She oh, loves yeah, riding yeah. the she elevator. Chair of Obama's campaign fundraising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so. I mean, it, the point here too is so. So this this Claudine Gay becoming you know the incoming university president of Harvard. And, and and the takeaway is to say, well, the takeaway question is, what does this say, not just about Harvard, but about the academy generally? If this is sort of how you make your bones at Harvard, then how is it not the same story in most of America's universities? I think it is. I mean, there are a handful a literal handful of uh, universities that have carved out the the conservative um, uh, uh, antithesis to Harvard, like Hillsdale, or now there's this University of Austin thing that's getting off the ground with apparently some funding. But the rest of academia has become a, a monoculture, and what, what you can see is Claudine Gay is the model of how the orthodoxy is enforced. You you can't step across the line. You step across the line slightly, and they can find a way to crucify you. So so uh, and 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 the way they crucify you will uh, will in all appearance have nothing to do with your research. They they're they're not that dumb. So so they've got their ways of keeping people in line, and partic- sure. particularly the black conservative will be crucified. Yeah, they're 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 always lying in wait to jackpot you. That's the that's the point here. That's exactly it. Francis Benton, he is the Manhattan Contrarian. You can get his writings at manhattancontrarian.com, manhattancontrarian.com. Francis Benton, great piece on Claudine Gay. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh great to be here. Thank you. Thank you and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's morning answer. On AM 560. Where's the Tylenol? The answer. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Today at 3, right before Sean Thompson at 4 on AM 560. The answer. 
uh, top of the morning, Dan and Amy. It's a holiday whodunit. Cook County officials are on the hunt for a man who is interrupting online court proceedings by zooming himself, zooming video of himself, participating in extremely graphic sexual behavior, according to an email sent out by Chief Judge Timothy Evans. In the last week, many of you have been Zoom-bombed with a video of a person who exposes himself and engages in sexually explicit conduct. One uh, act involved a large pickle or small cucumber. Wait, what? It's a... Excuse me. It's a Vlasic... It's a Vlasic Cook County story. Thank you very much. Hello. Large pickle or small cucumber. Mm-hmm. And what does one do with the large pickle or small cucumber, Dan? Well, why don't you use your imagination? Or maybe I don't want to. Or take a introductory course to uh, anal enjoyment at Francis Parker. That's right. Butt plugs for everybody. Actually, and dildos. since they're on the lookout for this guy or guys, I would suggest starting with Francis Parker grads. An unknown black male, uh, I see, I thought maybe a tubin too, but no. Unknown black male okay. entered the courtroom via Zoom and began masturbating. The subject was laying on his back with both legs in the air, Dear described God. to me as being in a position not unlike a baby would be during a diaper change. It's the happy baby pose in yoga, folks. Do you also masturbate? <laughs> no. Do you do no, it it's a- when you lay on your back and you grab outsides of your feet and you rock back and forth like a happy baby. Uh-huh. But without the pickle or the cucumber. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And not on a Zoom call with Cook County Judge. Yeah, no, thanks. No. The subject was master I mean this again according to the report I'm just providing the news. The subject was masturbating with his bare penis exposed, which oh, is my- pretty much how you do it. Uh as I understand. Oh. Okay. And an unknown item inserted into, well. Oh my god. Mhm. Uh, Was he on electronic monitoring? We don't know who he is. Multiple oh, court wow. sessions were Zoom-bombed. A, uh, on December 9th, a domestic violence court session was targeted. In that incident, the man, uh, the report said the man pleasured himself and, quote, also displayed a green object suspected to be a large pickle or small cucumber and inserted it in, well, you know. I have the best idea ever. Can we just go back to the way things were in 2019? Stop with these... Zoom court cases and Zoom CPS school board meetings and Zoom work calls. Everybody go back to work. I'm sick of it. Well, yeah, that is the that is God. I mean, how long are you going to let this go on? One of the questions is right. Why are you still doing Zoom court calls? Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line. Six four six three six. Type in D A. Then a quick comment. Look at the little baby. Yeah, the baby. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The subject was lying on his back, both Mm. legs in the air, described to me as being in a position not unlike a baby would be during a diaper change, and began masturbating. Mm. But the question for Tim Evans, uh, was he, if this, if and when this person is apprehended, uh, is he 25 years of age or older so that he has the mental acuity to recognize right from wrong and is this even wrong in this day and age i don't know with what's uh being offered at francis parker one of the city's elite schools what's so wrong about this it sounds like somebody who's um exploring enjoying his sexuality and you know doing a sort of an impromptu train the trainer session not unlike 
I'm sure the dean of students at Francis Parker, Joe Bruno, would applaud. Wow, multiple court sessions. He's been Zoom bombing. Uh, is there such a is, is there such a thing as explicit sexual conduct anymore? Exposes it, exposes itself. So what? And when they do find this guy, literally, what are they going to do with him? Celebrate him? I don't know. Um, you put him in a put him in prison. I mean, he'll probably beg to be put in prison, based on his enjoyment of large pickles and or small cucumbers. Oh, by the way, in a related story, an 80-year-old patient visited a hospital in uh, Toulon uh, to have um, a um, World War II, World War One, excuse me, World War One artillery shell lodged in his rectum removed. It uh, generated a bomb scare at the hospital in Toulon. Uh, this hey, is where in France. Oh, okay. uh, 88-year-old, 80-year-old had a World War One artillery shell lodged in his ass. Yeah, uh, on Saturday evening uh, required the intervention of bomb disposable per- the bomb disposal personnel, the evacuation of adult and pediatric emergencies, as well as the diversion of incoming emergencies. We had to ma- manage the risk in a reactive framework. When in doubt, took all precautions. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, one doctor in France. Uh, the, by the way, the uh, artillery shell about eight inches long, more than two inches wide. Not alive, not alive oh, shell. Not alive round. Okay. Mm-mm. Um, well, that's good for the little guy. Yeah. Uh, doctor, French doctor, an apple, a mango, or even a can of shaving foam. We're used to finding unusual objects inserted where they shouldn't be, but a shell? Never. Ooh, couldn't even find the rear shell. He's a collector, maybe, you know? Wow. Military collector. I don't, I mean, again, um, I don't, this will probably be like a 200 level class at Francis Parker. Yeah. Well, I don't know why I'm obsessed about Francis Parker. Well, I, I actually, I do know why. Yeah. And that guy's still there, that dean of students. What's Because what's wrong with this? What's I mean, I these guys, the show and tell. This is, Bring this 88-year-old when he recovers from the removal. And, uh, you know, this guy uh, who's uh, intervening in Zoom calls for cooking, you know, bring him in for a show and tell at Francis Parker and all the schools, all CPS. I mean, that's private school, but all CPS schools, too, as well. Suburban schools, right? Got a text message. What was on electronic monitoring? The guy or the pickle? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Some call them cucumbers, Dan and Amy. Others call them rectal thermometers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Will he be held in contempt of Zoom? Others call mm-hmm. them late at night. Please come over. Uh, it's just weird that that system is so vulnerable that people can just bounce in from court case to court case. Or not people, this Sicko fan, this pervert, this naked pervert who really why is, he is si- enjoying this. Why is he a sicko? Well, it's just not behavior. I mean, again, I'm just, you know. But what These these were seen once upon a time as verboten behaviors. Maybe time, place, manner restrictions. Maybe, you know, you don't want to interrupt uh, the important work that Cook County Circuit Court judges do. <clears throat> um, when they get around to doing it, you know, since what... Uh, backlog of cases and so on and so forth, in part because of this Zoom nonsense that goes on in perpetuity. This is never going to stop. Yeah, I think, I I don't mean, never going to, well, yeah, never going to stop. I mean, it's not like they got Rickrolled. Oh. That would have been something. Actually, they should do that. We'll do a Rickroll of Tim Evans' court. You you, you remember that? You know what that is, right? Rick Astley. But explain it for other people. Yeah. Rick Astley. Yeah, you never going to give you up. 
never going to let you down. That's pretty bad. Yeah, it's, it is bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need a trench coat on when I sing Rick Ashley. Mm-hmm. Rick Ashley, Debbie Gibson. Rick Ashley. Nev- Ashley. Not Ashley. Never allowed to be played in our car. Debbie Gibson? Mm-mm. Mm. Tiffany, maybe. There's a great bit. Who did that bit? Greg Giraldo. I think it was Greg Giraldo about Debbie Gibson. Where do you come up with ideas for your songs? My dad. <laughs> and he's like, oh, really? Your dad is out there mowing the lawn. Shake your love. I just can't shake love. Hey, dad, that's a good idea for a song. Yeah. That's you find it. that song, Justin? All right. Oh, shake I'm your make love. A, make a, some music uh, ode to uh, this. The I, for, By the way, the large pickle uh. or the small cucumber. I, I, I thought about this if this was um, going to be something that detailed the Units being presented, uh-huh. and I thought that's not that's not an unknown blackmail. That's our mayor. <laughs> but no, I don't think so. This is Chicago's morning answer. This is a full blown four alarm holiday emergency here on AM five sixty. We're gonna have the hap hap. The answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-467. 5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.